Good Monday, Cougar Nation. After a week away, we welcome you back inside the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys at 4-3 and three on the season. The Cougars coming off their bye week with a third of three October home games. This coming Saturday as Northern Illinois visits Provo for a first-ever meeting between the Cougars and the Huskies. We're looking ahead to the weekend and back on the Cougs' last game as well before the bye as we visit today with Offensive Coordinator Jeff Grimes in the first half hour of today's show and Special Teams Coordinator Ed Lamb in our final 30 minutes. We are coming to you live on BYU TV, BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143 and 107.9 FM. We are also on the BYU Football Facebook Live page and ESPN 960. You can get us live and on demand at BYUtv.org, BYUradio.org, plus the BYU TV and BYU Radio apps. We invite you to be a part of the show on social media as well. You can submit questions on Twitter using the hashtag CCBYU or via comments on BYU Football Facebook Live. We open today's broadcast with BYU Offensive Coordinator Jeff Grimes joining us. And uh, Coach Grimes, we didn't get a chance to congratulate you last week, so uh, congrats on that nice home win over Hawaii to get you to four and three on the year. That was a lot of fun, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, we needed that one. Um, and really proud of our team. You know, I, I told our offensive players after the game that sometimes when you work hard and do the right things, you don't get an immediate payoff because I really felt like our preparation, even the previous couple of weeks, had been pretty good. I think our guys have shown up to practice every day. I think they've tried to be coachable and do what we ask. Things just hadn't gone our way in the previous two weeks. And so I commended them for continuing to work hard and believing that sometimes you just got to keep grinding and know that the payoff will come at some point, and certainly it did Saturday. It was a 49-23 win, and and pretty much, I mean, there will be little things here and there, but pretty much I would think that everything you wanted to get done offensively more or less got done. I think so. Obviously, we we kind of established um, a little bit of a a new identity with a new quarterback and um, not a radical departure from who we have been, but certainly some new wrinkles to the offense and and got an opportunity to see how how Zach would perform under the lights, but also how everyone else would mesh with him. Um, And uh, one of the big things is wanted to start fast, and so we were able to do that better than we had previously. And at the same time, uh, we were able to finish strong as well. So I felt like um, we did have a little lull there, but at the same time – you know, when you're playing, when you're playing another team, those guys are on scholarship, and they have good coaches too. So, you'd like to score every time and and have um, equal scoring in every quarter, but that doesn't typically happen. And UH did come in playing well. Let's not forget that. Let's backtrack uh, to a couple of items on that Hawaii game. And you rent, you mentioned the uh, the good start. It was a great start for the Cougs. First possession touchdown, second possession touchdown, fourteen first quarter points equal the first quarter output from the preceding 10 games combined. And in the Satake era, BYU's now 10-2 and two when they score first. They've lost only once when they take a lead into the second quarter. Really good jump from your guys to open things up. Yeah, and again, that was something we talked about all week. But you, you, sometimes you've got to be careful about how much pressure you put on them to start fast because you don't want them to feel like uh, if you don't have a good first series, then all is lost. Then now and so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so we talked about just – putting our foot on the gas the whole game and starting fast and playing fast. And I said, whether we score on the first drive or not, I don't care, but we want to go out there playing full speed and be aggressive from the first snap to the last. And I felt like we did that for the most part. You referenced the new quarterback. And since we didn't visit last week, can you revisit uh, the decision to make that QB switch after six games? Yeah, it was not one that was that was done without, without um, painstaking labor and, and a lot of time and energy put into – 
um, making certain that we were making the right decision at the right time. And certainly um, it had been talked about previous to that as well. Um, and so this was, um, uh, I think, the culmination of a number of things coming together. Um, the fact that we hadn't played well was a big part of it, although it certainly wasn't all Tanner's fault. There were a lot of people to blame uh, for us not really moving the ball as effectively as we needed to the previous um, couple of weeks. Um, but at the same time, um, it's kind of like if, if you if you got a leader on, on any team um, and the team isn't progressing, so we're not moving the ball, we're not scoring points, you can't just continue down the same road. So that was part of it. The other part of it was we just felt like Zach was ready. And, and honestly, I'm not sure that we had felt like he was any time previous to this. He had, he had continued to work and get better. And I give A-Rod a lot of credit for continuing to work with him. And, and you know, the thing is, a, a guy doesn't just get ready that week to go out and perform like that. This has been a process that went all the way back to last January when Zach first started coming around and and started practicing with us. He's been preparing himself for this moment. Zach has worked really, really, really hard to get himself ready for this moment. Aaron's done a great job coaching him, and he's continued to progress this season. So there were a number of factors that, that led to it, and I feel like it was the right time. I think it's fair to say, too, that the August criteria upon which you based your initial decision were not the same as the October criteria that caused you to change course a little bit. Yeah, and you know you know more about who you are, and you know more about yourself as a team. You know what you have and what you don't have, and and uh, we just we felt like we needed to, to do something that would provide us a little bit more playmaking ability at that position, and, and in his first start, anyway, Zach did that. He makes you harder to defend, generally speaking, too, isn't it? Yeah. He he does. He he brings some things to the table in terms of his mobility, in terms of his ability not just to run and scramble, but also to extend plays down the field and then throw the football later. Um and, and you know what I think a lot of people may not take into consideration, it's not just the times that he actually runs the ball, it's the time that the defense has to prepare for the fact that he might run the ball. Just to count for him. No question. Uh, Zach Wilson does end up with the best pass efficiency rating of any true freshman making his first start at BYU, and at 167.5 on the PER, it was BYU's first game above 150 against an FBS opponent in more than two years. BYU, by the way, has now won 34 straight games at 150 or better. Zach goes 16 for 24, buck 94, three touchdowns and a pick for a first start. How'd you like him? I thought it was really good, you know, and certainly there there are some improvements that he could make, and there are a couple of throws he'd like to have back. Um, But um, all in all, really, really good. And the thing I liked about him the most was just the look in his eye. I never thought he was nervous. I never thought he was anxious. And, you know, some guys get in that position and you say the moment was too big for him. And that certainly wasn't the case, nor did it ever seem to be. There was a poise and an ease of operation back there that was kind of palpable. Do you sense the same thing about him? Yeah, no question. And I noticed it even in pregame warmups. I like to just kind of stand around and watch the guys who are going to be playing in pregame warmups and see the look in their eye and and the the feel of their movements and I was watching him throw routes with the receivers in warm ups and somebody was running a corner route and Zach said, Hey, it's, it needs to be a little bit flatter than that. And then the next receiver who was an experienced receiver stepped up and he looked at Zach and he said a little bit flatter. And he said, yeah, it's going to be flatter than that tonight. So he broke it off a little flatter and Zach threw it right to him. And so he's got poise and he's, he's got for a young guy, he's got a natural leadership about him as well. 
Okay, before we hit the break, uh, what can you say about uh, what Tanner has given you as your starter when he was in there and about what he now gives you in a different role? Well, Tanner won some big football games for us. Let's not forget that. And um, in those games, he did what was necessary and, and gave us what was needed, and, and not just in the throwing game but in the running game as well. Made a lot of really crucial decisions and good checks and that sort of thing. Um, he, he's been a good leader. He's been a positive voice in the locker room. And even throughout this, he's handled this, um, as an absolute professional. And, and I've got, I had a great deal of respect for him before this, but even more so now. Excellent. All right. Heading into break on the coordinator's corner. When we come back more from offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes, if you have questions for the coach, we invite you to send them in. Use the hashtag CCBYU on Twitter. Back with more from coach Grimes right after this. And we are back on the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's. Dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody, from burgers to wings, shakes to salads. JCW's quality and a lot of it in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and coming soon to Harriman. BYU now 4-3 and three on the season. After a 49-23 home win over Hawaii nine days ago, Northern Illinois coming in on Saturday for a 1.30 afternoon kick. Offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes with us until the bottom of the hour. Uh, beyond quarterback, uh, Coach Grimes, where else was this offense simply better? from, say, the Utah State game to the Hawaii game, in your view? I think every position played better. And um, I think I think some of that had to do with just how we started the game. And I think we've still got a young group when you look at the, the number of freshmen that are playing. And then some of the older guys that are on our team have been a part of games that haven't necessarily gone well, that didn't start well. And so I, I think we've still got the kind of group at times that that plays better when when things go better early on. And so we obviously want to make that an emphasis as a staff. But um, I think a lot of it had to do with that. Um, but the offensive line played better. Um, the receivers played better. I, th- I think I think everybody played better overall and it was um, as has been the case in our other wins this year it was a collective effort. BYU rang up a big number running the ball without Squally Canada uh, against Hawaii. Do you think uh, you get him back against NIU? I would assume so. Um, That's not the case yet but um, you know we we've shown that that we can play at running back as well as other positions with a number of characters back there and we have have made the conscious decision all year long to continue to say that the competition is ongoing throughout the season. And a lot of teams tend to settle in a little bit more at this point. We want to keep the pressure on our guys and make them perform weekly to earn their reps. And that'll be the case um, this week at running back for sure. Uh, without Squally, uh, Lopini Katoa, Riley Burt, the primary ball carriers. Matt Hadley became involved as the game went along. But to Zach Wilson had a long run longer than either of uh, Lopini or Riley's longest scampers against Hawaii. He came on a third down and 16 from the Hawaii 23 on the second drive of the game, quarterback draw for touchdown. Yeah, and that was a play that um, we haven't spent much time on to this point (laughs) uh, and and put it in this last week and felt like it would be something we've had it in our system. And it's one of those plays where, you know, when when we – when we built this system, we said we wanted to be a versatile enough offense that we could play with a number of guys at other positions, particularly that one being quarterback. But the draw and the quarterback draw are things that, that we installed back in spring ball. Obviously haven't spent much time on it prior to this week. This week we put it in, and I felt like it would be one of our first third and, and extra long calls, and 
the red zone is a nice time for that, and it just kind of worked out perfect, and they were in the right coverage for it, and, and uh, Zach ended up making the one guy miss and, and scoring. So it was a great it was a great job by him, as well as everybody who was involved in the blocking. And a good call. Uh, it's just two games, but off that point you just made, in both the USU and the Hawaii game, Zach Wilson lost some defenders with some pretty shifty moves, got some shake to him, and he's already shown just how he makes it a little harder to defend, as we talked earlier, because they have to respect that ability. I think so, and I don't think um, we'll become the kind of offense where your quarterback leaves the game running it as many times as he throws it. I don't think we want to be that kind of offense, but I think just giving the defense that element to prepare for, it, it sort of brings the game back to an even mathematical equation. Once defenses became um, greedy enough to stack the box and, and say they were going to stop the run with numbers, it, it became harder to run the football. And that's that's been the case for a lot of teams. And it's it's been the reason that teams have gone to running the quarterback more in recent years. And so um, we're back to playing 11-on-11. 11 11, there we go. Uh, courtesy of BYU Football Media Relations Director Brett Pine, this note, 25 freshmen have played this year for BYU. Ten of them have started. Of the ten, eight have started on offense including three offensive linemen, a tight end, two wideouts, a running back, and a quarterback. That's a lot of the offense. Coach, very impressive to have so many young guys having impressed you enough to get on the field and play that much uh, this season. It really is. And those guys um, are, are all guys that, that we felt like would make an impact going back to last spring when I, when I first got here. Most of those guys are guys that we felt like would make a difference for us, even those that that quite honestly, we hadn't even signed yet. You know, when I got here, um, Zach Zach was on his official visit the weekend that I first came. Mm. Um, Dallin Holker hadn't signed yet. Gunnar Romney hadn't signed yet. Yet at the same time, we felt like both of those guys, as well as Zach, were guys that could make an impact on our team. And so as a staff, we spent time working on those guys and recruiting them and then development with the other guys who were who were here on campus and you know, as is always the case, the uh, the credit is is twofold. Part of it I got to give to the coaches who spent time recruiting him. You know, Fessy to bring in Dax Milne. You know, to work to get him here um, and to get Gunner here. And you know, I've already mentioned A Rod there, Ryan with the offensive linemen, and and Steve with Dallin, and and AJ with Peeney. You know, they just there are a lot of coaches who have spent a lot of time getting these young guys ready to play at a high level. And, you know, football is one of those sports that is difficult to play at a high level at a young age, both because of the physical requirements and um, and the physical strain. Um, but a lot of credit to those guys as well as these young guys who have come in and played big roles for us. So you said you, were, you had just gotten here when Zach was making his official back in the winter? Yeah, that was the weekend I was actually here being being announced. Yeah. Okay. What were your impressions of him at the time? Did you have well, a chance Kalani, to talk a little bit or not? Yeah, and Kalani and I had been talking about him previous to that that time when I came for the for the press conference. Kalani and I had been talking about him, and I had already started talking with Zach a little bit and and liked his film, and so um, yeah, that was a chance to meet him in person and and kind of start the the face to face relationship. Um, but there was a lot that happened in, in those next few days, for sure, because some other people were, were trying to make a late push for him as well. Understandably. Uh, piggybacking off your, your thought about the freshmen, uh, BYU scored seven touchdowns against Hawaii. And by the way, 
seven from seven different players. The last time BYU had a game where seven different guys scored a touchdown was 1989, so it's been a while. But of the seven touchdowns, four came from freshmen. Lopini Katoa had one. Zach had one on the draw we talked about. Dallin Holker had one, and Gunnar Romney had one. And Gunnar in particular really coming along nicely, Jeff. It took him a while to get going in part because he wasn't really healthy in camp, right? Yeah, Gunner's one of those guys that we felt like would be really good for us and productive early on because of his skill set, but wasn't able to do much almost all of camp, and so it has taken him longer, but we're certainly uh, pleased with his progress of late. All right, coming up next, more with BYU Offensive Coordinator Jeff Grimes, including a look back at the bye week, what got done, and your questions for the coach using hashtag CCBYU on Twitter. This is the Coordinator's Corner brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more right after this. Right here in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys, BYU and Northern Illinois, coming up Saturday afternoon at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Should be a great afternoon for football. It'll be a, uh, a night game, by the way, at Boise State the week after. We just found out moments ago it'll be an 8-15 Mountain Time kick in the first weekend of November for the Boise State game. Keep that in mind. Uh, BYU, by the way, pays a return visit to DeKalb, Illinois in 2020. Uh, both BYU and NIU 4-3 and three coming into Saturday's game. And uh, both teams, Coach Grimes, coming off of buys. Uh, what did you and BYU want to get done during your bye week? We spent time at the first part of the week practicing with our guys and, and just continuing to try to develop them and, and make improvements on areas that we need improvement. Um, certainly our, our um, third down offense is something that we know we need improvement. Um, and so we spent some time there. Um, then we spent some time on the road recruiting and then, and then as coaches, we spent some time the last few days as well, studying ourselves, doing some self scout and finding out, um, what we're good at, what we're not as good at, kind of the direction that we want to go the back half of the season. Uh, looking at NIU, uh, top 50 in scoring defense, top 50 red zone touchdown percentage allowed and pass efficiency defense, top 15 in yards per play allowed, top 15 in sacks. They have a headline maker in defensive end Sutton Smith, jersey number 15 for NIU. Uh, you've seen their defense enough to get a feel. Um, man, they're good at keeping scores low. They really are, and and it's one of the more impressive teams that we've looked at this year on film. Uh, really aggressive style up front. They commit a lot of numbers to stopping the run, and they don't just do it um, in one or two ways. They support the run and load the box with everyone from trap corners to safeties to extra backers when your 11 personnel is on the field. They do it a number of different ways. And then their personnel is good as too, uh, is good as well. Um, their front is is aggressive, incredibly active, move a lot. Their linebackers play downhill, get to the line of scrimmage, try to take you off your double teams as soon as possible. So this this will be a real real challenge for us offensively. Uh, they they're twenty second in turnover margin, twenty third in takeaways. They depend a lot on sudden change plays, and as you saw in their game against Ohio, their last game, they're in a bit of trouble in that game. And then Sutton Smith gets a strip sack late in that, leads to a, go- a game winning touchdown. Huge defensive play, t- play turns into the offensive uh, difference maker for them as well. And that, that that plays that plays such a big role in games. And if you look at our games, um, every game that we've won, we haven't turned it over, or we've turned it over once. And then in two of the three games that we've lost, we've turned it over multiple times. And so that was one of the things that, that we talked about this morning as an offensive staff, just going back and, and the most simple thing of ball security and, and continuing to emphasize that in practice being a big deal. 
at BYUJR on Twitter for Coach Jeff Grimes. He says, we were able to travel from Happy Valley, Oregon, to enjoy the energy at Lavelle Edwards Stadium against UH. The running back platoon worked well that night. Do you foresee continuing down that path if Squally, if indeed if Squally returns? And in either case, will Riley and Matt still get touches? Bert and Hadley. Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Again, that's one of the things that that we have sort of made one of our um, uh, mantras as an offensive staff this year, and that is that the the competition is ongoing and the the depth chart is continuously fluid. And um, as was the case at quarterback last week and and Matt Hadley getting more carries this week, that, that will continue to be the case. And the guys who earn the reps in practice will get the opportunity to prove themselves in games. By the way, Matt Hadley's been uh, bouncing around a bit this year. Nice to have a guy so versatile, right? He really is, and he's a great kid, and I just I love what he brings to our team and to our offense in terms of maturity and toughness and confidence, and was really happy to see him get uh, get that opportunity to, to have a couple of nice big runs. How's the uh, Keanu Seliaponga experience coming along on offensive line? Really good. Uh, I have no question that he is going to continue to grow as he does every week. Still make some some young guy mistakes um but the benefits certainly outweigh those times when when he uh makes some some of those mistakes that young guys will make at times okay i have uh, 22 random stats in front of me here um i'm gonna pick a number between two and 22 because number one's a defensive stat uh number between two and 22 i'll give i'll give you the stat and then you can give me the real world application of what it is we're talking about okay okay pick a number between two and 22 uh 12 stat number 12 all right, some some trends for you right here. Um, these are all since 2005. And just so you know, me personally, once a win-loss correlation gets to 85%, that's when I start to really pay attention. Like That, that to me is like pretty strong, I think. Okay. Uh, these are all right in the neighborhood. Uh, BYU, in scoring 30-plus points, has a 92% win rate now. You scored 49 against Hawaii. Uh, when scoring a touchdown on the opening possession, 85% win rate, and you had an opening possession touchdown against uh, UH. When leading at halftime, I like this one. 89 and 11, 89% win rate since 2005. And we're leading after the third quarter, lock it down, 96 and 9, 91.4% win rate. Those are all trends that kind of, uh, I, I guess they're intuitive in a lot of ways. Get a lead is good, right? But um, the 30-point the, the number held, the leads all held, the trends that tend to hold for BYU were all in evidence against, uh, against Hawaii. Yeah, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, Greg, but I just think we have such a young team right now, particularly on offense, that when we play well early, we tend to uh, we tend to play a little bit better as the game goes on. What, what um, we need to do better is when things don't go as well early, and I'm not asking for this to take place, <laughs> but the, the opportunity will arise for us, if not this Saturday, then the next one or the next one after that, when, when things maybe don't go our way early. And and I'll be interested to see how we how we can uh, be mentally tough enough to dig ourselves out of that. When resiliency is required. Uh, yeah. One more number between 2 and 22 for you. Um, two. Number two. All right. Oh, like uh, BYU's most frequent penalty. And we know that penalties don't have a strong win-loss correlation in of themselves. So we go in with that. Uh, BYU's most frequent penalty remains offensive holding. People might go, oh, it's, it's an O-line thing. Interestingly, for you guys, only five of the 14 offensive holdings are against offensive line starters. Yeah, so we went through all those this morning, talked about them as a staff, and talked about how we can help decrease those. Um, 
So penalties sometimes don't have a strong correlation to win-loss ratio, but I do think it says something about your team. Um, For instance, we've only had two illegal formation penalties all year. With all of the shifts and motions and various formations that we run, I think that's pretty good. The penalty of holding often comes when a guy's trying to do his job, and so sometimes it's more of an effort penalty. Nonetheless, it hurts you even more than an illegal formation penalty. So it's one of those things that we have to address as a staff and make sure that the players understand that even though you're trying to give good effort, your technique has got to be better the back half of the season because just like we saw in the in the Washington game earlier, we had we had two of those on that first drive that really killed us. All right. Thanks for playing along, by the way, on the Pick Your Stat game. Enjoyable. We debuted it without any uh, with any foreknowledge here today. So there it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, we will see you, uh, gosh, in a couple of weeks, I guess it is. Sounds good. All right. Enjoy your, your bye week from the show next week. All right. Coming up after the break, I'll be joined by BYU Special Teams Coordinator Ed Lamb as we continue on the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys here on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody, from burgers to wings, shakes to salads, JCW's quality and a lot of it in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and coming soon to Harriman. We're into the second half of this week's Coordinator's Corner broadcast on BYU TV, BYU Radio, ESPN 960, BYU Football, Facebook Live. We welcome in special teams coordinator, linebackers coach, and assistant head coach, Ed Lamb. Your questions for Coach Lamb welcomed using the hashtag CCBYU or via comments on BYU Football Facebook Live. Ed, good to see you again. Thanks, Greg. Good how to see you. How was your bye week? Oh, it was good. I thought it was productive at the early part of the week with the players um, from a work standpoint. And then later in the week, uh, the players got some rest and the coaches got out recruiting. And there's benefits to that, too. And and uh, it's just enjoyable to have a change of pace. And everybody's excited to get back at it this afternoon. Well, it's been three weeks since we've chatted here on this show. A lot has happened since your last visit. The most prominent piece of news, course change at starting quarterback as assistant head coach. Can you give us a sense of the the kinds of criteria that went into making that to midseason decision. Um, well, I don't, I don't know um, most of the details of that, to be honest. But I just know that, uh, you know, in general, there's a lot of um, sometimes protection around whoever the starting quarterback is, and and we don't think that way in terms of, you know, linebackers or or uh, wide receivers or running backs. And and there's some reasons why I think that's a valid way to look at the quarterback position, but. But another way to look at it is it's it's not about the guy who was replaced. It's about the guy who who's coming in. And I think in that way, it's very relevant to everyone else on the team where, you know, you don't consider the, the feelings or the performance necessarily of the guy who's who's coming out, but it's the opportunity for the guy who's coming in. And in that case, you know, I think I'm excited about what, what Zach did with his opportunity. Yeah, from a broad picture perspective, uh, tough to do a lot better than the kid did in his first start as a true freshman here at BYU. He he really did well and and overcame some adversity and there's going to be more you know there's a, a certain advantage to being fresh off the bench and not having everybody study your tendencies and and uh, now he'll have some new challenges going forward but he had a little bit of adversity with the interception there and and uh, bounced back from that well and then this week there will be new adversity and we'll see how it goes yeah you talk about the, this week you've got an excellent defense in NIU uh, with oh, an extra week as they had a bye week as well to get ready for a freshman quarterback so I'm sure they'll try and dial th- some things up and really challenge them they, they are they're they do a, a really nice job they've got one of the best pass rushers in college football I think maybe led led the nation in sacks last year very active all over the place on defense really good players 
Sutton Smith is his name. He has seven sacks so far, I think, this year. Uh, let's backtrack to the 49-23 win over UH nine days ago. BYU got the fast start. It had been really been seeking. Uh, BYU scores first. BYU scores second. BYU scores third. 21 nothing lead before Hawaii gets on the board. And they've been a team, at, as you know, racking up points with a healthy Cole McDonald at quarterback. And uh, they score 23, another win under 24 for BYU. Yeah, I, th- I thought it all started up front, as it has, and that's been a consistent pattern for us, is winning in the trenches, uh, winning up front on offense and defense, and we we did that really well, particularly early in the game, established that. And uh, you know, anytime um, uh, an offense like Hawaii just wants to come out and kind of throw it around, uh, uh, it's, some would say carelessly, haphazardly, I mean, they're going to get their yards, they're going to get their scores at some point during the game, but... Um, uh, the interception there at the, toward the end of the first half was huge as far as punching that to a 21 uh, nothing lead. When, when a team's going to go 10 personnel or empty all game, 100% of the snaps, basically, yeah. does that uh, ratchet up the mindset defensively and is it an advantage to a team, any team, when they, have, when they know what they're going to see that way? Uh, it, well, it, yes I mean, you and can no. say yes and no because yeah. they, they were doing it to other teams, right? Yeah, so. they're, they're very good. And sometimes we, as coaches especially, I, I think we uh, we put too much stock into uh, you know kind of knowing what the opponent's doing. Like when the opponent stays in the same personnel or in the same formation, it's because they have answers within that personnel, within that formation. But interesting that you say, uh, you know, we saw 16 snaps of empty against Hawaii, and it was a very good adjustment by them. They had only shown two snaps in the whole season prior to that. So we weren't as prepared as we would have liked to have been for that uh, empty formation. What does it do, uh, and how? If, if you're if you're a defense, how does empty or ten help you uh, do what you want to do? And then from another from the other side of it, where's going to be the offense's advantage uh, when they do play it that way all the time? Well, the advantage for them, I feel like, uh, and I know uh, Rolo well enough. He he wants to get the ball in space, and in his case, he's got what he feels like is an athletic quarterback who can who can also run a little bit and uh, gets the ball out on time, and then two really good slot receivers, and so he wants to get the ball to those guys um, in space. Then, uh, you know, in the case of what we can do defensively, like in, in that game, we re- were really able to tune up a lot more nickel personnel package, so nickel blitzes, nickel fronts, uh, of what some people would call odd fronts, three-man fronts, from odd to four- and five-man pressures and even six-man pressures. And, and normally, you know, on, I would just say on average – we might face five to seven snaps per game mm. of 10 personnel. And so it becomes much more difficult to, to have a whole package where you have blitzes and zones and f- different fronts all within the nickel package. Saw some dime as well from you guys, 6 dB occasionally. We did, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, especially toward toward the end of the game when we knew that they were going to throw and we, we kind of grooved into what we felt like would be our mess, best uh, matchups and we're comfortable playing some man-to-man there down the stretch. Since we last talked, a uh, word came out that you've lost a linebacker for the season. Uh, Zane Anderson tried to give it a go, but you had to shut him down. Yes, and uh, going into that uh, Utah State game, actually the, the week before that, he was hoping to play the Washington game, kind of a one more game with the new redshirt rule um, thing after he had gotten hurt at uh, Wisconsin. But uh, he wasn't quite ready for Washington. He felt ready for Utah State. He did some really nice things against Utah State, but he also struggled in his tackling, which is, you know, I don't think that was an issue of the shoulder as much um, as, you know, because I think he fights through pain really well. But I think it was just lack of practice, at least full speed practice going into the week. So. Not not the last game he wanted to have, but uh, next year will be that big last season that he wants to have. Yeah, because this is his senior year, but he'll get it back, right? He'll he'll get it back. Yeah, he played in uh, four games, only four games, and so he'll, uh, the great new rule. So this this will count as his redshirt yeah. year. Uh, before we hit the break, uh, 
the Hawaii game, Skylar Southam, uh, all he had to do was, was kick PATs that night, generally. He was 7-for-7 seven seven on his points after. Yeah. Uh, a little past the midway point of the season now. He's 20-for-21 20 on PATs, 5-for-8 on the field goals. How would you say his uh, rookie season's progressing? Well, I, I think I'm really good because of the trust that the team has in him and I think the confidence that he has in himself. He's a kicker that we can really coach hard, and uh, he's mentally tough. And during practice every day, our our players see him deliver, and then he's he's done you know well enough in the games too. He hasn't had enough opportunities to maybe be talked about on a national level, but um, you know with his leg strength and mental toughness, I feel like he's going to be one of the great ones. We don't talk a ton of NFL on the show, but as we head into our commercial break, uh, I don't know if you saw this yesterday. Uh, Ravens were down seven to the Saints in Baltimore, and Baltimore scores a last minute touchdown to get within one, and Justin Tucker kicks the PAT, and you go to overtime. He was 222 for 222 in his pro career coming, and that never missed in college before yeah. that PAT, and he missed in the last minute yesterday. Yeah, and if, if you've coached long enough, and I can I can give you specific <laughs> examples, but I would bore you and the and the listeners. But if, if you've coached long enough and really paid attention to it, it's there's a certain kind of uh, irritating cheese grater on the on the forehead. Um, when you hear a fan say or or anybody say well let's just take the three or as in you know take the three points or let's just take the extra point like, like it's, it's a given like it's a given like yeah. it's an automatic because it's not and i've had that exact same situation happen and and uh, you don't get to go to overtime <laughs> that's what happened yesterday and it was amazing because yeah. uh he's mr automatic and it happens it happens okay yeah. break time on the coordinator's corner we return a more with special teams coordinator ed lamb stay with us Coordinator's Corner brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. BYU Special Teams Coordinator Ed Lamb with us until the top of the hour this week. 4-3 and three BYU hosting 4-3 and three Northern Illinois. First ever meeting between these two programs. Huskies are 4-0 and oh in the MAC. They've won three in a row overall. They opened league play. I think lost to Florida State then got back in league. Uh, the quarterback, Ed, is mobile. Uh, Marcus Ch- Childers ran for a buck 69 in their last game. And he wasn't racking up big numbers before then, but had a huge day against Ohio. Um, he he did, and he's had uh, he's always a threat. Uh, they, it's both part of their design, and I think part of their their player selection. Um, he is uh, a, I don't want to say he's a run first quarterback, but he's just always a threat on every drop back pass. Um, if he doesn't like the look he sees through the air, he he takes off running and does a really good job. He's a patient runner. He's uh, like like you said, he's over two hundred pounds, and he's able to bring that physicality. He looks very much like he could be a running back or fullback. Now, they as an offensive group, they kind of lag. Uh, bottom five nationally in pass efficiency, bottom ten in scoring, second to last nationally in yards per play, but an excellent defense, uh, which is essentially the reason they have the winning record they do, is they compensate fairly well because scores stay low on their own offense. They're keeping scores low defensively. They have, yeah, they have. I, I always uh, look a, like one level deeper when I look at national stats, especially when, when I have the time to look at the upcoming opponent. And you know, the thing about Northern Illinois is, is they score roughly about the same amount of points per game as their opponents give up. And so they've played some really good defenses. I, I don't know that they're uh, particularly weak on offense. Uh, you know, another another example, I think our offense is, is down in the hundreds in, in a lot of categories. But we actually score two more points than our opponents score on, on our opponents' defenses on average. So you know, I think I think sometimes that first level of looking at averages can be misleading. It's about the teams that you play for the most part. Their Utah game is fairly indicative of the kind of team they are, though. A game they could have won, I thought, at their place. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, There's, And that was, uh, you know, like you say, two, two strong and talented defenses and, and two offenses that haven't been really 
scoring above average, and uh, and that was the result of the game. I think it was a seven to three game late in the fourth. Utah's leading ended up being sixteen seven. Was that the final yeah, score? Yeah, sixteen seven with an interception with a pick six. For Chase a Hansen has a pick six at the end of that yeah. thing. Yeah, uh, BYU this year has matched already matched last season's win total. You're two wins away from bowl eligibility, and and just like you can't necessarily count on a PAT or a field goal being an automatic, uh, those two wins are not won until they're they're done. And yet that said, there's a really strong belief I've got to think that you're going to you're going to uh, you're going to reach that goal you set before the season, which is to get back in the postseason. Is it a tantalizing thing for the staff or the players to know you're getting close to at least that benchmark? I think so. Yeah, there, there's so many more um, to look at, and and so many times when just the most relevant thing of the moment is to look at the preparation for the moment or the play or the practice, and and so hopefully we're we're striking a balance between looking at long term goals and and short term objectives. Between uh, last year's uh, kind of uh, I don't know trough or, or 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 subpar season compared to what has come before it and is ideally going to come after it. Are we going to look back on that last season last year and and just truly treat it as the ultimate outlier? I mean, how do you think? Well, I I think the further it gets in in the rearview mirror, um, the more that we'll all learn from that uh, who were who were a part of it, and there were there were lessons to be learned, and, uh, and perhaps some of the successes that that we'll have going forward will be because of, of the struggles that we had in that year. And it uh, presents a new opportunity to look at things and be critical and uh, and also the strength of fighting through a difficult time. Speaking of difficult times, uh, last year's ECU game was not not, not, not a real fun night. The, qu- the second quarterback you saw that night, Gardner Minshew, is now the starting quarterback at Washington State, which is playing really well. And so when they said the name, it rang so familiar. And I went back and sure enough, he came in for the starter last year in Greenville and played really well. And Ended up transferring to Pullman, and Mike Leach has those guys playing. Do you do you keep a national eye on things, or are you just too focused on 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 what's going on here as you should be? Um, a little bit of both. It's uh, you know I I did uh, um, I had heard that and and really hadn't had the chance to watch um, him. But East Carolina was a, was a great offensive team last year, and we knew that they had uh, both depth and talent all over the place. Uh, back to a couple things relative to your uh, special teams uh, responsibility. Diane Gomoloku, and of course people know him as a DB, but. Uh, on special teams against Hawaii, it's another muffed punt recovery for Dine. He's got two of them this year. Uh, it's not just dumb luck that puts him in that position, is it? No. Um, yeah, muff, muff punts are fairly uh, happen fairly regularly, but uh, if, if you had a whole uh, cut-up of maybe 20 of them randomly, you'd see a lot of guys kind of try to fit their way in there for the ball and hesitate about whether they're going after it. And uh, Dine's reaction time and physicality is just – it's. Uh, He's got a knack for picking that ball up off the ground. I think it's uh, the third third one we've had. One by uh, Rhett, uh, not to Rhett, but uh, Mitch Harris, and then uh, and then two by Diane. Uh, the Mitch Harris one was at Washington, at right? Washington, yeah. 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 Uh, return game. Uh, Shelton and Hefo taking care of things for the most part. There, punt and kickoff. Very few kickoffs, by the way, being fair caught. Um, did you anticipate that the new rule would have? the minimal impact it's appeared to have. Did you kind of say, yeah, this is not going to do what they think? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I, I wish I could be on that, that rules committee because <laughs> I've, I've paid attention to it enough years now to know that when a rule is changed, that uh, the one of the things that's really difficult for that rules committee to look at and the officials is if, if there are two variables, right? Like one variable I think is fairly easy to predict the outcome, but there's two variables and that is they allow the fair catch to happen, but... They say that if if the fair catch is muffed, that then the the ball will be at at that spot right there. And I think that's the problem. And and so I think there's some discussion about 
um, the, the risk reward and just allowing if, if a fair catch is muffed and then recovered, that it would also come, come out to the 25-yard 25 25. line. Because right now that's the reason that we're, we are trying not to fair catch for fear, um, for fear of a muff. Of yeah, you mean muff it, which is, you know, it's not as common on a kickoff return, but it's still, I mean, you're talking about a huge loss of yardage right there um, if if you muff that thing. A good 20, at yeah. least, you know, yeah, yeah. 15, 15 to 20, depending on where you catch that thing, ideally, yeah. Yeah, and you figure yeah. on most of those where you would be fair catching that are deeper, that wouldn't be an obvious fair catch, you're going to have the chance to get it out past the 15 anyway. Right. So it's a, it's a big risk. Do you think they're going to tweak it? Um, I think so because because the whole goal, remember, the whole objective is to decrease the number of kickoff returns. It was player safety was yeah. the, old, uh, yeah. the the decrease the number of high speed collisions essentially, yeah. right? Yeah, and or just or just move the kick. Like us, for example, we only have eight kickoff returns, and a big part of that is we face kickers that put it in the end zone. And uh, so if they just move the the line of scrimmage up, then of course that that would have the desired effect. It's really difficult to start bringing it out of the back of your end zone. Yeah, we take care of that. Uh, heading to break on the coordinator's corner. When we return, it's our final segment with. Uh, Coach Ed Lamb, your social media questions for the coach. Use hashtag CCBYU as we continue live on BYU TV, BYU Radio, and ESPN 960, along with BYU Football Facebook Live. We're back right after this. Dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody, from burgers to wings, shakes to salads. JCW's quality and a lot of it in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and coming soon to Harriman. Special teams coordinator Ed Lamb with us until the top of the hour. BYU hosting Northern Illinois Saturday afternoon at Lavelle Bridge Stadium. So a 1.30 kick this week. And Coach Lamb, you may have heard the Boise State time got set. Uh, for up there, eight fifteen. Oh, okay, another eight fifteen game. Yeah, another. <laughs> uh, Coach uh, Grimes was telling me off the air. He's never seen a team with more fifteen after the hour starts at night than than BYU. We get a lot of those. Yeah, we we do. Like that's that uh, ESPN contract, the ESPN window opportunity yeah. to play there on national television. So good, good for the team. Good for our boys. Personal preference: afternoons versus evenings for you. Um, well, I think, yeah, just personal preference as, as far as going home, spending some time with the family after the game and enjoying some college football games on TV. Absolutely. The afternoon games are great, but overall p- big picture to be, to have the chance to be on national television and what that means to our program and our opportunity to recruit and build, I think is, is really critical. Okay. Uh, social media now at S underscore W underscore Nelson. You know who you are on Twitter. Uh, the per- person writes, I noticed the trick punt return against Hawaii wasn't maybe as successful as I thought it could be, the writer states. Any chance that a specific return gets used again? Um, yeah, it's it's um, it's kind of a niche return. That's a good observation. Our uh, our our, our uh, trick returner wasn't able to catch it in stride. The, the punter actually put a pretty good leg on it. Um, but uh, typically what we look for is a punter who tries to spray it around the field and keep the returner from catching it. And uh, when that happens, when a team elects to use that, then their coverage can, can be confused sometimes. And so that, that was the that was the look of that. And we yeah, we got, uh, I think it was seven or eight, maybe ten yards out of it, but it wasn't the home run hit that we're uh, looking for in that situation. Uh, speaking of uh, the return teams, generally speaking, are Michael Shelton and Aleva Hifo giving you what you hoped they would this year? Um, they are. Yeah. I think they, they both would have higher hopes, um, for themselves. You know, Michael's been pretty, uh, pretty good on the, on the punt returns, has made some out of some things out of nothings, uh, no things or no opportunities. And, uh, Leva, I think, um, we can get that kickoff return game going a lot better. So any of the inefficiency so far, I would put that more on myself and feel like we can, we can do better and we'll do better with, with increased opportunities. 
Okay, time to play a pick a stat. New feature on the show here. Uh, I have 22 random BYU stats in front of me. Uh, Coach Grimes took number two and number 12, so those are not available to you. Some are offensive, some are defensive, some may have special teams components, but we're asking you to kind of oversee everything here. So uh, pick a number between 1 and 22, but not 2 or 12. Yeah, how about 15? How about 15? All right, uh, 15. BYU is 97-1 and one in its last 98 games when leading by 14 or more at halftime. BYU took a 28-3 lead to the locker room against uh, Hawaii. 14-point lead's big. There have been bigger leads, but wow, 97-1 and one when you can get out to a two-touchdown lead at the break. So I guess do more of that would be the uh, the moral of that story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, that's a pretty that's, remarkable number, though. Yeah. I mean, that two-touchdown, it's a lock for you guys yeah. at that point. Yeah. And that goes back years and years. That is, yeah. I, I guess that's just, just more of an observation, kind of hard to it's comment a, it's on It's an intuitive it. thing. Yeah. yeah, but it's like, okay, good, do more of that. All yeah. right, that was 15. What else do <laughs> you have for us? Number? Um, how about uh, how about 22? 22. All right. So we'll see see if the last is actually any good. Um, Again, this is nothing really other than just an observation. Uh, 49 points, the most that BYU scored since uh, beating UMass 51-9 back in uh, in 2016. He scored 49 against Hawaii. That was your uh, highest scoring game since the 51 points against UMass. Remember that game? I do. Yeah, I was just wondering... uh, I think it might be our highest offensive um, total uh, for a, for a greater period of time. I thought we had a blocked punt for a touchdown against UMass, or maybe, maybe it was just deep in their own territory where it ended up, or a defensive score that game. I can't remember. Okay, that's 22. Uh, uh, another number for us here. Um, one. Oh, it's a good one. Uh, after being called for defensive pass interference five times in the first three games, we discussed that, BYU's been whistled for zero DPI calls in the last four games. What's going on? How'd that happen? Well, probably a couple of things. I know that our our, our corners uh, learned from from that, and you know they don't we don't want to be a, a team that's um, executing pass interference down the field. We want to be a team that's able to get in good position, get our eyes around, and play the ball even in man to man coverage. Um, you know, another another thing might be we we really left our guys uh, felt like that we could win on the outside in man to man coverage against Arizona, and um, that they weren't capable of hitting the deep ball in stride and as much as some of the other teams. And so other games we've played more zone defense and the corners aren't as likely to commit pass interference in zone defense. But if DPI was an issue early, it hasn't been as the season gone, has gone along. And I guess that's what you want to see is if something gets addressed and technique improves and uh, and things get fixed. Yeah, I, th- I think so very much. I, I've seen just continued growth out of our corners all year long. Okay. Uh, we have some more numbers for you, Ed. You want to keep going here? Sure. Okay. What do you have for us? How about five? Five. Oh, I like this one. Uh, last season... This is an offensive number. Uh, last season, BYU faced third and 11 or longer on 26 occasions. So they say offense now. Faced third and 11 plus on 26 occasions, converted two times. Mm-hmm. Just the two. This year, BYU's been third and 11 or longer 17 times and has converted five already. So the conversion rate's gone from just under 8% to almost 30%. So four times better by rate at third and longs. And again, it's an offensive situation. But what would you say about how BYU's able to overcome or show some resiliency there? Well, overall, I'd, I'd just you know say that that's a that's remarkable the the improvement there. I don't know, um, I don't I don't have those plays in my mind, so I can't really point to any specific reason. But uh, I know that I know that we got a group of guys. I, I alluded to it earlier. There was a lot to learn from last year, and not just about a, a coaching change on offense. A lot for the players to learn. A lot for uh, a lot for our players to grow, and a lot for our coaches to continue to grow and try to grow the program. So hope, hopefully, that's just an indication that um, things are getting better.
I'll flip it to a defensive uh, uh, application there. I do know that before the UH game, BYU's defense had not allowed a third and 10 or longer to be converted all year. I think UH got a couple long ones against BYU, but really through six games, none of those third and 10 pluses had been converted, which is a pretty amazing thing, too. That, and that rate was a lot better than the, uh, the 2017 season as well. Mm-hmm. And sometimes third and longs become fourth and shorts that get converted. But for the most part, uh, the BYU defense has really been excelling on those third and longs. And so kudos to you and the defensive coaches. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's always nice to get off the field when it's third and long. All right, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, we will see you next week, uh, Coach Lamb, along with Coach Tuiaki. Cool? All right, we'll see you then. All right, that'll do it for the Coordinator's Corner. We're back next week with Coaches Lamb and Tuiaki as we review BYU-NIU and get ready for the trip to Boise State. Thanks to producer Jason Shepard, Michael Miner, and the crew from BYU TV and from BYU Radio, Sean O'Neill, Terry South, Sean Fay, Sterling Richards, and Don Shaline. I'm Greg Grubel. We're also going to thank Aaron Fitzner. This has been the Coordinator's Corner. We'll talk to you next week. So long. <laughs>